All right, we're going to go straight to a video. During the first century, most people around the Mediterranean Sea lived in densely packed cities, all ruled by the Roman Empire. Each city was a diverse blend of cultures, ethnicities, and religions. And because of this, there were all sorts of temples for offering sacrifices to all sorts of gods, and each person had their own portfolio of gods that they gave their allegiance to. But in every city, you'd also find a minority group who wouldn't worship any gods but their own. The Israelites, also known as the Jews, they claimed that their God was the one true creator and king of the world. Now, all these cities were connected by a network of roads built by the Roman Empire. And so it was easy to move around, to do business, and even spread new ideas. Now, one person familiar with these roads was the Apostle Paul. He spent the second half of his life traveling from city to city, announcing that Israel's God had appointed a new king over the nations. This king wasn't like anyone who'd come before. Right. Most kings rule with aggression or power. But this new king rules with self-sacrifice and love. His name is Jesus, and Paul is his herald, who's inviting all people to live under this king's rule. The stories of Paul's travels and how people received this message, that's what the third part of Acts is all about. For some time, Paul's home base had been in the city of Antioch. And from there, he and his co-workers went out on three road trips, traveling by land and by sea to strategic cities throughout the empire. In each city, Paul's custom was to go first to the Jewish synagogue where his people gathered. He'd start teaching and showing how the Messianic king promised in the Hebrew scriptures is Jesus of Nazareth. And some believed this news, others didn't, and still others thought this message was so misleading and dangerous, they would incite riots to kick Paul out of town. And so that's when Paul would take to the bustling city marketplace. He would set up shop there to make and sell leather tents to cover his travel expenses. And here, Paul kept sharing the news about the risen King Jesus with anybody who would listen. He was often misunderstood as just promoting a new God. One time he prayed for a sick person, they were healed, and everyone around thought he must be a Greek God that came down to visit them. But Paul insisted there's only one true God and he was his servant. This message often stirred up opposition and more riots, and he got beaten, even thrown in jail. Why such a strong reaction? Well, the worship of the gods held together Roman culture. They believed the gods kept their cities safe, and the temple worship of the gods was a huge part of their economy. Paul wasn't just adding Jesus as a new god to the list. He was saying all other gods are powerless, even a sham. So he's undermining their way of life. Yes, and more than that. When Paul announced Jesus as a new king, he would call him Lord or Son of God, the very titles people used to refer to the emperor of Rome. So Paul's message could easily be heard as a threat against the entire political order. Why would anyone join this movement? I mean, it sounds dangerous. Well, people were captivated by the story of Jesus and how his love created communities where all people were treated as equals, regardless of ethnicity, gender, or economic status. These people formed new families that would eat together. They lived sacrificially and took care of their poor. They lived like Jesus actually was the king. Right. And so in every city where Paul announced the message about Jesus, people were being transformed by God's spirit to become new kinds of humans. So Paul would stay in that city and teach them the way of Jesus. And then he would leave for a new city. This was a difficult life. Paul had to endure a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. 
Yeah, and he did so because he believed that his own hardships were a reenactment of Jesus' suffering and death for others. He said it was God's own love that drove him to share the story of Jesus no matter the cost. After his third road trip, Paul's reputation had grown. He had made many new friends, but had also made many new enemies that he would be wise to avoid. But Paul didn't avoid them. His next stop was Jerusalem, a city full of people who wanted him arrested, even dead. And so why he goes to Jerusalem and what happens when he gets there, that's what the final section of Acts is all about. All right. So today, as we continue our journey in the book of Acts, we're in this uh, sort of big section, um, Acts chapter 17, verse uh, 17 to 20. And um, I was going to go through a, a little bit of you know, he, he goes to this city and goes to this city and goes to that city. But I thought the video really just summarised what Paul's uh, what Paul was doing. He was just going to city to city um, and, and preaching the gospel first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And, and some people would accept it. Some people would reject it. Um, sometimes he'd go, he'd get beaten up. Sometimes he'd go and he'd be embraced. Um, and, and so in your life groups this week, you'll go, you actually read through that whole passage and, and, and you'll go through each of those things. Um, but where I wanted to land today was at the end of chapter 20, after all these trips that Paul does, he ends up in this place called uh, Ephesus, um, where he started the church. The church was started um, with Paul witnessing to some of the um, people there, and then they believed in Jesus, and then they started the church, and then they got um, you know, well-established. And Paul, um, at the end of chapter 20... Uh, the situation is Paul is about to leave that city and, and go to Jerusalem. And next week, Pastor James is going to preach on that journey into Jerusalem. Um, and he pretty much invites all the leaders and elders of the church of Ephesus to come and he addresses them for the last time. And so that's Acts chapter 20, verse 17 to uh, 38. Now, it's a big chunk, so I'm going to read the whole thing, um, but just um, keep up with me. Here we go. Uh, verse 17, uh, from Miletus, uh, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among, uh, among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. 
Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Now, you've got to understand the context, right? Paul is literally saying, I will never see you again. I am going to Jerusalem, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be the end of my life in one way or another. And he has built up this church and built these disciples and he has loved on them and it's this last moment, his last moment to speak to them. You know, if you know that it's going to be the last time you ever see someone, can I tell you something? You know what you don't do is you don't waste time. You don't waste your words. If you know that this is going to be the last ever conversation that you're going to have with someone, you're going to say things that you really mean, you're going to say things that you're really thinking about, And you're not going to hide that. You're not going to talk about what you're watching on Netflix. You're not going to talk about how the stock market is. You're going to talk about what is the most meaningful, the most important. And this is what Paul talks about to to the elders in Ephesus. Now, there's three things that we want to hear in Paul's words to the church and their elders. Number one, no hesitation. Paul is not apologetic about what he did in witnessing and preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus. He says multiple times, I have no hesitation. I have no uh, second-guessing myself in what I am actually doing. He's loud and proud about what he did regardless of the situation and circumstance that he was in or that was before him. And whether the gospel was rejected or accepted, Whether it was popular or frowned upon, Paul did what he was called to do. Acts 20, 27, for I have no hesitation to proclaim to you the whole will of God. He didn't hold back. There was nothing to hold back. Secondly, he talks about the reality of suffering. While Paul was not apologetic about the gospel message, he also did not hide the fact that the good news would come with hardship and suffering. Verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Verse 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. 
Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day. Paul is very in tune with the reality that the gospel is good, but will come. Will come with suffering. Will come with hardship. Will come with persecution. And so he warns them, you know, don't, don't be naive. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Thirdly, Paul talks about how he modeled to them the Christian life. Verse 33 to 35, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You, you, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my com- companions. I, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was a tent maker. Now, what's a tent maker? It's someone that makes tents. Right? Real simple, right? So back in the day, you know, he was in construction. You know, that's, I guess, how, you know, the, the most equivalent, right? So, you know, they're, they're building tents for either people to live in or shops or, or, you know, dwelling places. And Paul was a leather tent maker. He would take the hide of animals and he would sew them together, put them together and, and, and help people with their construction. And he did this for two reasons. One, he did this to earn money. He's what we call a bivocational minister. Bivocational, you have two jobs, right? You're a pastor in the church and you're also working as well. For a whole, for many years, I used to be a bivocational pastor. I used to work at the church, I used to work at Bunnings. I really miss Bunnings, it's really fun. That's where I got my accent from. <laughs> there's the Australian accent and then there's the Bunnings accent, it's different. Um, but Paul did this not only, but, but he did this not just to earn money, but he didn't want to burden the church. He didn't want to burden other people. But secondly, he did it because it gave him a reason to be amongst the people. And, and, and I tell you, when I was working in Bunnings, one of the greatest joys is working and getting to meet the people that work there. And I'd see the same people everywhere. And it'd be so, just, so great to just catch up. And, and while he's working, he's sharing the gospel with them. One of the things that I, 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 it's hard for me to do right now is because now I'm, I'm working at the church most of the time, it's hard for me to have that exposure with non-Christian people out there because most of my world is Christian. But I remember when I was working in Bunnings, it, everyone was there, you know? And, and you, just, you got to talk to people from all different backgrounds. But Paul did this, I believe Paul did this, not because he just did it because that's what he was called to do, but it was to model to people, look, don't be stuck in your four walls. Don't be stuck in your own little congregation, but get out there, get out there and do the good work. And I love this verse, in everything I did, I show you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, and so it is more blessed to give than to receive. Such an important verse. Verse 36, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What they grieved uh, the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And this is such a beautiful scene. The last time, the last time he's going to be able to see these elders and the church leaders of uh, the church in Ephesus, he cries with them. They, he's crying, they're crying. 
So much emotion. Why? Because there was genuine love. Can I tell you that the number one thing about witnessing isn't just going, this is who Jesus is, this is what Jesus has done, but the foundation of all of that has to be genuine love. You can't witness, because think about what we're actually witnessing. We're witnessing, yes, we're witnessing the message of the gospel, which is that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. But you don't miss that first part. So many times we're like, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus saves you. Why? Because God loved you. If we evangelize and share God's goodness without the love, it's not genuine. We're actually missing a whole piece of why. We've got to learn to love people because that's what's the foundation of our witnessing, God's love for us. But today, we left with this one question. Why did Paul do this? Why did Paul spend half of his life traveling from city to city, witnessing to the Jews and then the Gentiles, being embraced, getting beat up? Why would Paul do this? Verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's the answer. For Paul, when he met Jesus, he went from persecuting the church to building the church, killing the disciples to making disciples. And he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I consider my dreams worth nothing to me. I consider my future worth nothing to me. Why? My only aim, and hear the language, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What's the task? To testify the good news of God's Grace. You know, one of the things that we see about Paul in this space, right, is not only was he an amazing man who did amazing things, but he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was meant to do in his life. He had purpose, very clear purpose, very focused mission. He knew exactly. If you went to Paul and said, Paul, why do you live your life? He has an answer for you. And I wonder this morning, for all of us here and all of us online, do you? Do you know what you're living for? Do you know why you do what you do? Do you know the why behind your life? Because Paul did. Paul knew his life. He knew his life, his future, his agendas, his desires. They meant nothing to him. Because he was committed to being an obedient servant of his Lord and Savior, King 
Jesus. And so every element of his life aligned with that purpose. Every part of his life was consistent with that goal. Everything he did made sense to his purpose and calling. What about you? If we hired a private investigator to follow you for seven days, just one week, what do you think they would conclude? If they saw your life, if they followed you around and they saw what you did, who you talked to, what you said, and, you know, let's go one deeper, what you thought. What would they summarize about you? Who would they say you live for? Who would you say you worship? Let's be honest. For many of us, for many of us, they would barely see God. Maybe this man or woman, they go to church for two hours on a Sunday. That's it. Maybe before they, they eat a meal, they, they pray. That's it. How would they describe your life? Your purpose? Your calling? What do you live for? Right? There's the common ones, right? We live for our careers. You know, this person works 60 hours a week. They are committed to their career. Or this person is committed to their family, their marriage, their kids. This person is committed to their health. They go running every night. Obviously, that's not me. All right? <laughs> If we saw your life for seven days, what is it that you would be aligned to? I think what Paul shows us, not only was he modeling it to the church in Ephesus, but I think he's modeling it to us now. Being committed to your family, to your work, your future, they're not bad things. But if that's the only thing you're committed to, and if that has a higher priority in your life than to serving God, then at the end of the day, God is not the highest priority. You are. And without offending you, without being too negative, I think you need to ask yourself, why is it the way that I live my life? And who is it that I live for? There's a scripture in, 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 in the Bible where someone taps Jesus on the shoulder and says, Hey, Jesus, remember me? I went to church. I served. I sang songs. I went to life group. I did good things. And Jesus turns to this man and says, I don't know you. 
It's the scariest verse in all of the Bible, I think. To think that we are in personal relationship with God through his son Jesus. But really, our realities just never, never translated. Paul was so sure. He was so sure why he did what he did. And you know what, friends? We might not be able to do what Paul did, travel all around the world sharing the good news of Jesus. And that's okay because that was Paul's specific call. That was what God specifically called him to do. And he just was being an obedient servant to God. But friends, we are also called to witness to our world, the people around us, our family and our friends, our schools and our workplaces. And I just wonder this morning how seriously we take this. Because if we're honest, for many of us, it's an option. It's something that you do when you have time. It's something that you do when you feel holy, like just after a church camp. But friends, Jesus gives one instruction. Go and make disciples. Go and be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And if we cannot, and if our lives are not aligned with that specific instruction, what are we doing? What are you doing? It's like, you know, you sign up for a job, right? You know, you sign up for a job and, and, you, and you're flipping burgers, right? And you go, here's the contract. Your job is to flip burgers. And you turn up to your favorite burger shop, right? And you stand there and you start cleaning. You start doing everything else. I don't think the boss is going to be like, fantastic, you cleaned the bathrooms and you did all this and you did it. Dude, do your job. I just wonder how seriously we take serving God and living for him. How seriously we take that in our hearts. How seriously we take that in our lives, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time. Does it reflect it? Paul went through absolute hell. You read about the stories that he went to city to city and he just got beaten. You know, later we've seen, you know, when he goes to Jerusalem, same thing after Jerusalem. You know, it's just like hardship, punishment. And you've got to wonder, right, why did he do it? Why choose that kind of a life? And the answer is because he really considered himself nothing. He valued himself less than what God had called him to do. He valued God more. And that's the bottom line of it. We always align to our priorities, whether you think it or not. We always do. You always prioritize what's important. It's something that we naturally do. The question is, is God important? Is God important in your life right now? And and does that reflect in your life? Let me read verse 24 one more time. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me 
My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And I pray this morning that we will take some time to reflect and think about what it is that we find important. What it is that God has called each and every one of us to do. And that we would be bold enough, disciplined enough, passionate enough to live out that life for God and not for us. Let's pray.